We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. Who you do business with is more important than where they're located. Bank from the comfort of your own home with Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of the KC Laboratory Podcast with Ken Swanson, Craig Stout, and Matt Lane. Coming to you on the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City. You can find all of our channels covering all the local teams wherever you listen to podcasts or on YouTube. Just search KCSN. And now, the latest episode of the KC Laboratory. It's a live edition of the KC Laboratory presented by Emprise Bank. Matthew Lane. Hello, how are we doing today? You know, Kent, um, we haven't talked about it yet. It's been long enough into in the season. I was watching Nolan Smith last night, uh, draft <laughs> prospect out of Georgia, and buddy, whoo, early, uh, early leader for uh, Maddie's my guy. Um, so, you know, we're coming off two games, the Chiefs are versus two lesser teams, and they're not going to be a lot of fun to talk about. So I, I petition that we just make this a, a draft show. Who says no? Oh, uh, Craig no. says no because I don't have the background to do it, Maddie. I can, can just I talk about like go? the four players that I've done any sort of watching on right now. But luckily, no Nolan Smith happens to be one of them. So we could just no. talk about Nolan Smith for in minutes. Yeah, that's a two to th- that's a two to one vote, Kent. So I'm sorry. Thanks to everybody watching. Uh, hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. Uh, leave a comment. Uh, I have a feeling the comment section is going to be pretty lit today. <laughs> uh, just a gut feeling on that. But let's start covering this game, this road game in Houston. Um, Matthew, biggest takeaway, biggest play. Where, where you want to start with this? Where you want to go? Doesn't matter. I mean, I'm just, <laughs> I I feel like I'm being repetitive week after week, but the Chiefs schedule down the end here is very soft and. What, what am I supposed to be taking away from these games against the Denver Broncos and the Houston Texans and the Seattle Seahawks and the Denver Broncos and the Las Vegas Raiders, right? Like there's nothing for me to take away from these last few games. And it's unfortunate. That means the last time we saw the Chiefs tested is going to be the, the loss against the Bengals, which came relatively poorly. And I hate that. Uh, if there's one thing that really jumps out to me from this game, if there's one thing that really, that really sticks to me, uh, Patrick Mahomes, pr- pretty good at football, Kent. He's pretty yeah. good. I, uh, I, I'm getting ready to uh, drop an article tomorrow morning, and I am going to talk about the five incompletions that he had all game. That's it. It's five. 
And it could one of them should have been a ninety plus yard touchdown, but they have a robot out there that couldn't turn eggs run at the same time. Thanks for spoiling the end. But I mean, <laughs> it could have been it could have been even more historic than he was. I mean, Patrick Mahomes sets the record for completion percentage in a game in which a quarterback attempts forty or more passes, thirty six of forty one. When you look at the five incompletions that he had. They are like one is uh yeah a near ninety nine yard touchdown, uh the other there's there's a couple other where hey it's just impressive that he avoided a sack on one, I mean, th- there's a lot of like just even in his incompletions there's a lot to like, the man was perfect, like mm-hmm. it was just a it was a near perfect performance. I know some people are gonna get upset about the late sack, but honestly. This this guy against the, against the Houston Texans, he was perfect, and the Chiefs kind of needed him to be perfect to get, escape that game with their lives. Uh, I'm just like that man should be the MVP. He is the MVP in my book. I just there's there's no arguing it. He responded. Would you take that to the bank? I would take that to the bank. I would bet on it if I were if I were uh, a betting man. Uh, so I, I just yeah, I, I'm very I, I just came away very impressed, especially responding to such a, you know, a, a rough performance from him the week prior. I just I, I the, what he did yesterday wasn't maybe the flashiest performance we've seen. His incompletions, his incompletion was flashier than than some of most of the completions. Doesn't matter. It was it was just it was a it was a really solid, smart, efficient performance against an outmatched team, and they needed every bit of it. Uh, they needed literally every bit of it, Craig. Yeah, I, it's it's rare that we get on these things and we talk about Patrick Mahomes um, taking what's there and just manipulating what the defense has. The number of flashy highlight real plays coming from this game was. Incredible, min- uh, incredibly minimal. Uh, it, it's kind of the polar opposite of how we see some of these Mahomes games where maybe he doesn't play great in some stretches, but then he makes two or three throws where you're just like, oh, there it is. There's the guy, and it makes something crazy happen. 20 straight completions. 20 straight completions is outrageously good. Like, that, that, is, that is ludicrous to see, and probably not something that – we would expect out of Patrick Mahomes. Sure, we know he's that good that he's one of the, that he is the best quarterback in the league right now, but that's not necessarily his game. Some of the things that he tries are a little riskier. He tries to fit things into some tight windows. He tries to escape pressure, throw across his body. Oh wait, he did that and it worked. You know, it, we we see stuff like that that results in incompletions that result in some maybe unpredictability out of this offense. So I couldn't have put any amount of money on Patrick Mahomes rattling off 20 straight. And if you did, I mean, that's that's just purely a heist at this point to be able to come up with that kind of thing for Patrick Mahomes this season. I Yeah, the, the performance was just, I'm trying to think like through my head about the best way to like put it into perspective because it wasn't your traditional Patrick Mahomes game that you were typically going to get, but yet the fundamental point was still there. They needed him to be Superman to win this game. They needed it. Like when he was not out there playing this traditional Patrick Mahomes game that we're used to seeing where he's running around for seven seconds and throwing a ball cross spotty into a giant open vacated space. that's now created 
those plays weren't as bentiful as usual. Like they weren't always there. Right. And so how do you process what this game looks like or what to make of it from that point? But then you go look through only 24 points. Touchdown of that was your 30 points, 24 points in regulation against the Houston Texans. That almost seems pretty bad. Like you almost get upset, but then you got to think about it. Well, there were, there were two fumbles in there that have nothing to do with Patrick Mahomes performance. And like, I don't know. I just, it's a weird, good and bad coming out of this game for me. And obviously Patrick Mahomes played great. He played perfect, you know, throughout the entire game essentially. Right. But the fact that the Chiefs still needed him to be Superman, he was, and they still only found a way to score 24 points against the Houston Texans during, you know, regulation time. That is mildly concerning. And that takes us, I guess, to the next point. Can they quit turning the ball over for <laughs> whoever it is? Can they just, can they quit turning the ball over? Can they quit giving it away to the other team at any point in time? Like, will they? Is this just what we're going to deal with the rest of the year? No, I mean, Yeah. I think you're going to be dealing with it the rest of the year. Like I don't think that the the sample size we've seen from this point is is going to really be altered all that much. Like this is what this team is. They are susceptible to having balls stolen from them. And like that's just the nature of it. Like Mahomes isn't putting the ball at risk, you know, at, a, at an alarming rate. But it's the guys around him that kind of stall this offense out for the most part when it happens right so and it's kind of the same thing as last year but in a little bit of a different spin last year it was mostly drops we spent so much time talking about drops this year we're talking about the ball being put on the ground as so much and it's it's frustrating but like this is i think this is what this is what this team is i don't think they're just magically gonna start you know not putting the ball on the ground now maybe a little positive regression on losing those fumbles could be could be you know in in the works for them but the margin for air for for putting the ball on the ground for this football team and this version of the Kansas City Chiefs is slim because of the other side of the ball which I'm sure we'll talk about later yeah i i actually Ken's teasing his article i got an article coming out this week as well that's looking at every turnover that the Chiefs offense had and how the defense responded to every one of those turnovers. So that that's coming up a little bit later this week. It's too much at this point. And I realize that turnovers are a fluky thing. Um, you take care of the ball, you know, sometimes bad things happen again, as we talked about last night after the game, the Isaiah Pacheco fumble, like that one, that was pretty fluky. You got two hands on the ball and you just run straight into another human being and it pops out fluky stuff happens but not all of these are fluky i think we all remember back to that denver game patrick Mahomes throws three bad interceptions like it should not have released the ball we we can think back to several muffed punts by sky Moore. we can think back to you know putting the ball on the ground a few times by you know jet mckinnon ha has done it a couple of times this year at He's been great as of late, but he did not start the season particularly well protecting the ball. It's too much. And like Kent said there, the margin for error is so incredibly slim on defense. You cannot, you, you cannot risk anything here by putting the ball, giving teams extra possessions, and it doesn't matter what the offense that they're playing is because right now it's not good. They're not allowing drive or they're not coming up with stops on drives very often. So giving those extra possessions, it does make it feel like the offense has to be perfect every other time they touch the ball. And that's not fair to the offense necessarily, but it's also not fair to the defense to be turning the ball over this much and saying, hey, guys, 
step up, save us again. You know, I, both ways, it doesn't really work in the Chiefs' favor here. Right, let, let, let's get more positive. Um, let's let's jump back to the positivity. Hey, the run game. What's what's going on, run game? Yeah, Oof. Houston Texans defense, not not the best versus the run. Um, but the Chiefs were able to run the ball very well. You know what? 25 carries for oh, what 130-ish yards for McKinnon and Isaiah Pacheco. Like it was they were running the ball well when they decided to settle down and actually call run plays. It, it went really well. The Chiefs were able to run the ball downhill. The zone run game was working, the RPO runs were working, like just essentially everything was working with the run game, and that's nice to see. I don't think that's gonna matter when you go to play better defenses with more talent. I mean, it's nice to see that the Chiefs will lean on it a little bit more when they have to, right? It's nice to see that they will, Mahomes can play the whole, you're going to give this to me, I'm going to take it, and we can run the ball against you kind of football game. Because this is something that last year, the Chiefs wouldn't have been able to pull off, or they didn't pull off any, with any level of consistency. So it's nice to see that that was in the back pocket, especially in a game that, I mean, quite simply, we said it, I said it last week, but this week it's a weird game. It was a chaotic, weird game against a bad football team, and I'm sure that causes some kind of nerves or butterflies to the team as they're sitting there on the sideline. They're like, "Wait a second, why are we losing to a team that has one win when we are competing to be the number one seed in the AFC?" Like, I'm sure that kind of starts to play in the back of your mind as you get to towards the end of the first half. So, relying on what was available, all those little quick passes to the flats. Every time the Texans, for some reason, tried to continue, like blitz, like seven plays in a row, it felt like. And it was just ball to the flat, ball to the flat, ball to the flat. And no answer on the run game. And no yeah. answer for it. No. So they, the, the Chiefs are on the, the Chiefs played a very sound game offensively besides the two fumbles. Just like last week, they played a great game offensively besides Mahomes trying to fit the ball into some really tight windows. So they're getting close. Like the offense is still executing really good. It's still being efficient. They are just leaving these tiny little mistakes out there that are getting them caught in the worst possible scenarios. And, you know, it happened here and it made the game closer than it should have been. Thankfully, they were able to pull away. But I do think if you look at the Chiefs just holistically on the entire year, you pay attention to everything, the big picture, they're a pretty complete offense. They've won football games in every which way on the offensive side. And this game is just another kind of feather in the cap of a way that they can beat you. You watch this if you're the Bengals or the Bills and you're like, okay, now hold on. They're also going to th throw the ball 36 for 41 for over 300 yards and pound the rock and rush for over 180 yards against us. If we just want to play too high shell, hmm, what to do, what to do, right? So I think that... I think it's nice to see. I think holistically, it's a good it's a good performance to add to the entire resume here for him. Uh, and to credit, I, I want to credit Sam McDowell because uh, he had a fun stat. Uh, basically, like it speaks to the efficiency of the Chiefs' offense, and they had a, a lot of efficiency going. Uh, and honestly, I mean, defensively too. The Chiefs Chiefs averaged six point six one yards per play against the Houston Texans and surrendered only three point eight yards per play uh against them and teams up up until 2007 teams were 59 and 0 in games in which those two things occur like it Andy Reid called it a weird game I, I can hear it I can hear it because you speak to the efficiency of this offense Patrick Mahomes being near perfect uh the run game having a lot of success just just some just some circumstantial stuff that just made this game very interesting. I mean, and you look at the defense. Yeah, yard, yards per play. I, I'm assuming that doesn't count penalty yards because you had one possession that went for uh, just, not. you know. <laughs> it, it's Yeah, it's, you know, one one touchdown drive was penalties. 
uh, and two turnovers, one deep into the territory of the Texans that would have put points on the board, and then one in Chiefs territory that, that gave the defense a short field. So I don't know. It's it's definitely something to think about. You got something else, Craig? You want to jump in here? Yeah, just real quick here, talking about the run game here. Uh, the 189 yards, uh, obviously a really, really good performance by this team. Um, that's only happened four other times with Patrick Mahomes as the quarterback. Um, there was one, I think the one that everybody remembers from 2020, where they racked up about 245 mm -hmm. against the Buffalo Bills. There was one his first year against the Cincinnati Bengals and a runaway victory there there was one last year against the philadelphia eagles that was also a little bit of a runaway and then the other one happened earlier this year by the against the tampa bay buccaneers for 189 yards that's it that's the only time that they have rushed for more than that in the patrick mahomes era now we've seen it twice this year i know there's been a lot of focus on the running back rotation there's been a lot of focus on clyde edwards hilaire who was a big part of almost all of those, like all but one of those games. He was a big, big part of. This is another one that they did without him. Jarek McKinnon, Isaiah Pacheco. Mahomes did a little bit on the ground, certainly with his legs as well, but it's nice to see the run game picking up a little bit more this year. Yes, it is still taking Patrick Mahomes in the offense being damn near perfect in some of these in some situations that they shouldn't be, but it's nice that there's more than one option here it's not just like maybe in some previous years or it's like okay well we got to get the ball to Tyreek we got to get the ball to Travis and hope you know they got a couple more options a couple more ways to beat you this year you're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City KC Sports Network we'll be back right after this Hey, sorry to interrupt, but I've got to tell you about our friends at Liquid Death. And by now, you know that those strange tall boys in that bottled water section, there's not actually beer. It's a uh, mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called Liquid Death. It's a crazy new water brand. Cans look wild. I've got one right here. You know I've already got the severed lime with me. One of my favorite flavors, my favorite flavor, actually, of the Liquid Death. It comes in uh, de several different flavors if you want the sparkling water the still water it's all great but why is it called liquid death well it'll brutally murder your thirst that's why and their infinitely recyclable tall boy cans are here to bring death to plastic pollution i love to see that they also donate 10 percent of the profits from every can sold to kill plastic pollution as well here's what you got to do you got to go to liquiddeath.com uh, kcsn to use their store locator tool or you can go uh, find liquid death at your target walmart 7-eleven or, again, go to liquiddeath.com slash KCSN, find a store locator tool, use that, and that's liquiddeath.com slash KCSN. Let's get back to the show. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. 
Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products like Venom heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Hey, if you are listening to this, watching this, hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. It helps us grow this channel. If you wouldn't mind leaving a five-star review, that also helps uh, on your podcast platform. So uh, all those things do help us grow this channel. Uh, trying to get more Chiefs fans to see it. Uh, we've got like 18 shows running every single week covering the Chiefs. So we got plenty of content for you if you are new around here. So yeah, hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. Uh, we have all kinds of comments going through the show right now, and it is uh, absolutely wonderful today. Anything? Oh, Matthew? <clears throat> yeah, don't even. Um, so before we move on to the defense, I wanted to ask each of your guys' opinion here. It, we're getting late in the season. We see this Chiefs team as a hopeful Super Bowl contender. We don't, I mean, like, we're going to game preview as we do every week, the rest of these remaining games, but, like, no Chiefs fans living for that Seahawks-Chiefs matchup. No Chiefs fans living for these remaining matchups. We're all thinking about the playoffs and moving forward. So what, in your guys' opinion, are the biggest question marks, the biggest hurdles for the Chiefs offense as they kind of look down this home stretch and then get into the playoffs versus presumably better teams? Uh... <clears throat> I am a little concerned about the taking away of Patrick Mahomes in certain situational football moments. Uh, I don't think I don't love some of the play calling decisions, some of the game script decisions that, you know, that we've seen this team have. And, you know, we there's there's stretches of games like, hey, look, the, the late in the late in the fourth quarter against the Texans, the Chiefs actively chose to keep Patrick Mahomes from impacting the game by just turning around and handing the football off a bunch in that final drive. I mean, the Texans are thrilled with that. And ultimately, what did they do with the best player in the world? They played for a long field goal that they missed. And I just, those, just those small decisions about how to manage a football game need to be adjusted for me personally, because you have the best player in the world and you should act as such. That guy is going to get things done. And I think the passiveness at by which this team has shown to play with, I think they need to learn from that when they get to January and be a little bit more aggressive and mindful of who's on. You have Michael Jordan on the field for you. Act like it. Follow up. Do we think that the Chiefs would be this passive and or not trust him that much when the games matter in the playoffs versus versus the Denver Broncos and Houston Texans? I I think it's in the I think it's in him or I think it's in Andy and I think it's I a hundred percent think it's in Andy. Also, like a little bit of concern about the defense and all that stuff too, right? Like I think there's you know th there's some stuff in that they take into consideration. They'd rather try to manage the game a little bit more and put Mahomes in some long third downs where one drop from one player that's not named Patrick Mahomes can affect it. Like that's I just like I don't love the way they play the, the margin for air and I think maybe they're a little bit more aggressive but I mean I'm just I'm not overly like like they put that game very much at risk very much at risk 
I absolutely think that they're they're going to be a little more aggressive in the playoff. Andy Andy has been a little bit, but but yeah, but we'll we'll see when we get the. I mean, for me, it's the tackles. Um, uh, Maddie mentioned it yesterday, so I'm not going to rehash all of his points there. But the main one, you're having to give so much help to your tackles, and that Both. matters. Now it helps that you've got some stud defenders or stud offensive linemen in the middle to take care of the stud defenders that are there. So you can get a few more one-on-one matchups, but that's the stuff that's making Patrick panic a little bit more. That's the stuff that's making him a little bit more uncomfortable. And when we get into these scenarios where teams are using more drop eight coverages, where they're not really sending the house, blitzing him, anything like that, trying to get a free rusher, but they're rushing with, three or four and they are winning at the rate that they are especially with three they're winning at the rate that they are and they're able to keep a spy on Patrick Mahomes that limits what he can do that limits the magic of Mahomes being able to get outside the pocket being able to scramble and make something happen if he's got somebody that's standing there that's mirroring him and both edges of the offensive line are allowing pressure he's doomed like, there's not a whole hell of a lot that he can do there if he's not able to get his first read open. So that's the biggest concern because we've now seen the Bengals do it. We've now seen the Chargers experiment with it a little bit. There are going to be teams that are absolutely going to do that in the playoffs. And it may not be the Buffalo Bills who, you know, Leslie Frazier might just be like, hey, listen, we're good enough. We can line up against them doing our things. But Lou Anaromo is absolutely going to use it. There's going to be other teams that the Chiefs have to play a game not against one of those. We're going to see that. We're going to see maybe Miami use it. We're going to see maybe Jacksonville use it. We're going to find out other teams that are going to try and throw that off-speed pitch to try and keep the Chiefs' offense in check, and that is worrisome right now. And it's entirely because when those scenarios happen, you've got to allow him time to be able to throw the ball, and right now they're not because they're getting pressure off the edges. Yeah, I, that's probably the the main place I would go to is just handling pa- good pass rushers when things aren't opening up uh, super quickly. I think I, the other thing that I want to, I guess, put out there for this offensively is I feel like the Chiefs have almost swung too far the other direction from where they were last year, where it felt like last year they were always hunting for the big play. They were always trying to beat teams over the top. Teams played top down, took that away, and the Chiefs really did struggle to find a way to beat that consistently, find ways to attack it. This year, it, it, they've been highly efficient. So, like, it, it, I'm definitely nitpicking here a little bit. Like, I am definitely trying to find a needle in a haystack as a problem with this. But it seems like there are some games where the Chiefs just don't have an organic vertical attack. And I think that starts to show up when you play against better teams, when you play against a Buffalo Bills team. If that MVS deep shot isn't hitting versus the Bengals, their passing game doesn't have a lot going, like doesn't have a ton going for it in that game. Now, they did hit it when they needed to in that game. The Bills game, they weren't finding it. Especially, It's just, I am slightly concerned that their vertical passing game is so inconsistent, I guess is the best way to put it, that against certain teams and certain matchups, it might come back to bite them. I mean, the Houston Texans weren't particularly terrified of the Chiefs beating them over the top the entire game. They were coming downhill. They were playing the short to intermediate areas. Now, it didn't matter because the Chiefs were doing a great (laughs) job attacking it, but it's just, I can foresee a chance where teams aren't respecting MVS or McCole Hardman to beat them deep 
while they're good vertical runners, they're not great ball trackers. They don't necessarily, you know, attack leverage the best. It's just not a consistent thing. So I do wonder if you get into the playoffs, if the Chiefs' lack of ability to consistently have a vertical presence will matter or not. I just have my eyes on it. I don't know if it'll happen. I just kind of have my eyes on it. Maddie ran a poll today. Oh, mm. it's time. <laughs> okay. Defensive time. Like I said, we're talking a little bit about the future. Um, so I put this poll up there because I saw yesterday during the game, a lot of fans were, were asking about Spags and how bad he was doing because guys were getting beat one-on-one in coverage and it was somehow his fault and it was annoying. And then I ran this, this poll today, just asking which defense would be better. If the Chiefs got the entire 49ers defensive roster with Steve Spagnuolo as a defensive coordinator, or if the Chiefs kept their roster and had Demeco Ryans as the defensive coordinator, which defense would be a better one? The Chiefs players with Ryans coaching them or the 49ers players with Steve Spagnuolo go ahead and, you know, uh, coaching them. Now we see the results 55% to 45%. What are your guys thoughts? Just what's your gut reaction to this poll question? Assuming we're just talking about for this season, this isn't a career arc thing. We're not talking about next year. This isn't a don't, move on from Steve Spagnuolo. This isn't, he should be this defensive coordinator for the next decade. No, no, this is right now. Which one of those two options would be performing better out there on the football field? Give, give me the defense with Nick Bosa and Fred <laughs> Warner on it. Please. I don't care who the DC is. Like it doesn't matter. The talent is so much better. Like it's insane. Yeah. Demeco Ryan's is a hell of a football coach. I have no doubt that he would come and try and get the most out of this squad, but it is a young squad that is still trying to come together. There's not the talent on it that the 49ers have. I don't care what you think about Spags. You could think that he is the second coming of Bob Sutton. Guess what? <laughs> that defense is going to be better than Demeco Ryan's coaching the current Chiefs squad. So I I, I saw that. You know, Maddie sent that link to me a little bit earlier today. And of course, my initial reaction was what I just said there. And then he said, as it was trickling in, like it was pretty close. And I was just going, that is crazy to me like it ab- absolutely it give me give me spags for the rest of the year like again and i guess I, i'll just bridge right into this can you vote real quick here and i'm gonna bridge right into this um i i think that the chiefs deep or i think the niners defense with steve spagnolo and patrick mahomes i would say they go undefeated but they probably get the final two weeks of the regular season off like that there's so many blue chips on the Niners defense. You've got both. Exactly I mean, you've yes. got, I mean, Dre Greenlaw might be the best linebacker on the chiefs and he's the second best linebacker for the Niners. Mm-hmm. Auric Armstead. I mean, and all the second, like the tertiary runners, the word Craig likes used tertiary. I thought I'd slip that in there. Um, I mean, like all they're just like tertiary runners. They still, they got a young up and coming pass rusher and Jake Jackson too. Yeah, and like oh, and Talanoa Hafunga, like it's just like it's nuts. They've got playmakers. They've got plays on the football on all three levels of the defense. And here's the thing, really, really quickly. I know Craig wants to jump back in for some reason, but I'm almost going Rant Swanson over this. You can look like a genius if you can get home with four the way that Niners can. Mm -hmm. Okay, like, and I'm not. This is not Duncan on D'Amico Rides because I think he's a great defensive coordinator. But you can look like a genius. If you've got Joey Joey Bosa rushing the passer, I'm just 
I, I'm sorry. So yeah, no, the Chiefs might the Chiefs would be the runaway favorites. It's not even close if they had the the Niners the Niners defense and C Spagnuolo. I don't care. Okay, so that brings up and can't use the word blue chip, and that's kind of been the conversation for today. Going into this season, we knew that the Chiefs were hitting the reset on the defense a little bit, obviously, bringing in a whole bunch of young players, bringing in a whole bunch of new bodies. This is kind of what it was. How many true blue chip players? I'm I'm talking guys that would be in the conversation for all pro at their position. How many true blue chip players does this Chiefs defense has? And you know what? I... Listen, I, I mean, Maddie, I know your opinion on this. It, it's one. It's Chris Jones. Like, and we've been talking about him for weeks. Hard one. Hard one. And yeah, listen, there's no one Dick else. Bolton, Legereus Sneed, top 15 at their position, probably. You're, you're talking Pro Bowl type players. I'm not saying that those yes. guys are bad by any means. Those are Pro Bowl type players. But there are very few defenses in the league right now that are getting by with a good defense with one blue chip player and that's kind of where it is you can you can lay that at the feet of steve spagnolo sure i i mean he's got very rigid player thresholds that maybe limit some of what you can do with the with the personnel that's on the field there but at the same time you, you need more than one guy that can just kind of take over and win in multiple ways i mean we talk about it all the time with Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, you know, being able to scoop each other up, being able to pick each other up because you got blue chip players. And they had Tyree Kill last year. They had three blue chip players on offense, and it was ridiculously hard to stop. It's hard to win on defense when you've got one guy that can be your dominant force there. Yes, maybe the rest of it is a little bit buoyed by the young players, and I'm all on board with team play the young kids, fully on board with it. But at the same time, this is kind of the output that we can expect when you got just the one guy that can be that level of dominant. You're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. I don't want to spend the the entire back half of the show talking about this particular poll question. Like we will have to get to the actual game, but like looking at this question in particular, right? And I I like the the blue chip talk, and like you look at the Chiefs specifically when you go down to the second tier players, your Nick Bolton's, your Legarius Sneeds, um, maybe you have Trip uh, McDuffie knocking on that door, even as a rookie. Like maybe he's just mm-hmm. knocking on that door, right? But I won't put him there yet. But look at Sneed and Bolton. What are what are their two biggest weaknesses right now right like what are those two players biggest weaknesses and 
It's coverage. It's their ability to cover. And like, I, you know, people made fun of me because it was a silly statement. Legereus Need is the best cornerback when not covering. But like, I had to put that caveat on there. Nick Bolton's one of the best linebackers when not covering. Downhill linebackers when not covering. They have their two best players, their second and third best players are best when not covering in 2022 in the yeah. day of football where everybody's throwing it their second and third best players are not coverage players they are guys that do everything else they're the guys that play the run they're the guys that are smart and it's not that they can't make plays it's just that's what they are and then you add on their one blue chip player is a defensive tackle and i get it the long lost debate oh what's more important a defensive tackle up the middle or edge pressure every x player is going to tell you it's up interior pressure I'm like that's that's true there's been exactly two teams in the history of the NFL that have had good defenses basing it around their defensive tackle. And it's prime Aaron Donald and prime JJ Watt. That's it. Those are the only two teams that have been successful. I'm on record saying, I think Chris Jones has been a little better than Aaron Donald this year. I think he has, mm -hmm. but guess whose defense is not playing better than those Rams defenses did when Aaron Donald was playing his best, this chiefs one. So it's just the positions don't line up. It's just the Chiefs' talent does not match what other top-end teams are going to do. I'm not saying Steve Spagnuolo doesn't shouldn't you know catch some flack for this. It's his personnel preferences. I mean, he's not handpicking the players. It's his preferences that lead you to have big, slow defensive ends that are run defenders, not pass rushers. It's his preferences to have long physical corners rather than guys that can play you know a myriad of different coverages. And it's why Trent McDuffie was so far outside of his norm. It's yeah. his preferences, not his players, his preferences that are leading to this talent gaps. So like he certainly still accepts fault for that. But when you have a day three rookie tight end matched up against your best coverage player in the red zone, and he gets shook by him and gives up that tight end his fourth catch of the year. How is that on Steve Spagnuolo? How does he not have Legereus Sneed prepared to cover that tight end? How does he not have Trent McDuffie quote unquote prepared to cover Chris Moore, a career special teamer? No, no, they were prepared to do it. They just had a bad rep. It happens. I'm not mad at them, but that happens. People want to jump immediately to blame Steve Spagnuolo. And what this poll tells me, fandom is crazy and fans connect with players. Fans don't care about the old white guy calling the plays. They'd much rather say, get rid of him because he's terrible. He's the one making these one-on-one -on -one matchups against average to below average players go the, against them. No, the players just didn't execute very well on those particular plays. It's going to happen. I'm not saying keep Steve Spagnuolo for a long time, but to act like he's terrible, to act like if you give him Nick Bosa, who's nearly unstoppable and healthy off the edge, and give him Fred Warner, who's going to shut down the entire middle of the field against an opposing offense. Oh, and then you give him Talona Hofunga, who's essentially just the new version of Landon Collins, who was an absolute terror for Spagnuolo with the Giants. And then you add on those long corners. That's it. That's his wet dream of a defense. That's his defense that he would want. That's his perfect defense in the entire world. He would be great with that personnel. I don't know what Demeco Ryan would do without Fred Warner. Have we seen him call a defense that doesn't have Fred Warner shutting down a third of the field in the middle? I mean, have we? And, Who knows what that's going to look like? And a pass rush get home with four. So, like, I just, that pulls wild <laughs> to me. I can't believe it was close. I mean, like, I just, so we, we can talk about the defensive performance against the Texans now. I just, you know, we had to bring that one up because that was, that was blowing my mind all day. I think one of the funny thing is, is like, couple players that have played well for this football team are teams that are that are the players that buy spags thresholds too because like mike dana has been a quality contributor doesn't necessarily fit the steve spagnolo thresholds been very good this year mike dana. you know very good they, yeah trent mcduffie but we know they liked him they they very yeah. much like Dana though yeah they, but they, you, you get what i'm saying it's like yeah, thresholds like, though yeah, yeah yeah tucker franklin might have longer arms than trent mcduffie and so like 
I don't know, man. It's just like you like these these thresholds that have been pretty rigid in the past and have, you know, maybe deprived us of opportunities to to see different players in Chiefs uniforms uh, with some different athletic profiles. You know, I I, I don't know. It's kind of just interesting to me. I, I do think that's a good way of framing, though. It's not necessarily the on the field stuff with Spags as much as it is maybe what what ingredients he's asking for the personnel he's asking for. I think that's the most important thing. And, you know, you can say like, Hey, maybe we're, maybe we're just making up. There's a lot of, there's a lot of statistical evidence to show, like we've been doing it in the KCSN draft guide. This is what this team prefers. These are the types of players that this team prefers. There's a very clear archetype for the kind of pass rusher that the chiefs covet under Steve Spag or that, that Steve Spagnolo covets. And it's doesn't lend itself to quick pass rush wins very often. <laughs> no, <laughs> No, it doesn't unless you go through the tackle there. Even Colin Saunders, a guy that defies some of the interior, you know, interior stuff for Steve Spagnolo, also very good this year. Hey, maybe Joe Cullen has some some stuff figured out here. Uh, moving on from Steve Spagnolo, because trust me, I, I I can already predict, can already predict that this is going to be a major topic here in probably three, four months after the Chiefs season is over. We're going to be talking plenty about the Chiefs defensive coordinator and what they need to do this week. Um, I, I, you know, talking a little bit about the Houston Texans, it, it kind of goes hand in hand with the Denver Broncos, allowing bad offenses to hang around. Obviously the chiefs numbers the past two weeks from a yards per play perspective have been good. Um, allowing some kind of chunk, not plays necessarily, but trunk calls to go in their way. Yes, there were some bad calls on them, especially the rewatching that one for whatever reason. I it, we didn't get to see the Willie Gay one that they called alongside the Juan Thornhill one, but that Juan Thornhill one was absolutely egregious. My man's standing in the middle of the field and gets run into, and they call it illegal contact on him. There were some bad penalties there, but there were also some really not bad penalties grabbing handfuls of jerseys mugging guys like this is kind of what spags's defense is but it leads to more situations like this and i think we can all think back to several times where the steve spagnolo game plan is kind of line up be physical play physical with these guys rough them up in the line of scrimmage and let's see what the referees do and there are some games where he doesn't make the change or the players don't make the change. And we see it kind of get dragged out. Maybe, you know, I know that these refs don't let Carl Cheffers may be outside of this. So take that with a grain of salt. But these refs don't love to keep calling penalties, don't love to keep calling defensive pass interference, defensive holding over and over and over again. And they like to warn players like, hey, man, I called you once. I will keep calling, you know, lighten it up and stuff like that. They help these guys out a little bit. And so when you see this many penalties and you see some of the obvious ones that actually were penalties, you look at it and you're like, man, you have to make the adjustment because those were the biggest plays for the Houston Texans defense. There were 18 plays that the Houston Texans ran that were not incomplete passes. These are either completed passes or runs that went for three yards or less on the day. That is 30% of their plays that the Chiefs defense just completely shut them down, and that does not include all of the incomplete passes of which they were plenty. You have to clean up 
those sort of mental mistakes. You have to play within what the referees are calling, even if the referee is being just a complete asshole about it. You have to play within that structure because we'd be talking a completely different game. It would be, yeah, it's a Houston Texans or a bad offense, you know, whatever the defense looked good against them. We'd be talking about a completely different scenario without some of those mental mistakes, without some of that stuff, and without the inability to cover some of these backup wide receivers and tight ends. It just, it, it, it's rough to watch and know that they did so well on so many other snaps. And it just, it's all for naught because they allow this Houston, Texas team to stick around. I don't know if I have a huge take from the defense from this particular game, right? Like I think when the game started, they had a couple of good series. Then the Texans came down. They had the Texans essentially had what three longer scoring drives, uh, two touchdowns and a field goal. One of the touchdowns came off of a short field. Uh, I was kind of quickly looking through. It looks like on those plays, they got a third down conversion off of a penalty three times. Mm -hmm. on those two long touchdown drives. Um, one was an offside, so you can't even call that ticky-tack. One was Darius Harris having a fistful of jersey after getting beat, so you can't complain about that one. Like, those are two legitimate penalties. I, I don't know. It's The defense in general played relatively well. They held the Texans below their average yards, their average uh, yards per play. Like, they weren't give, getting just beat up and down the field. They were just committing a fair amount of penalties, and we can blame a referee crew to some degree, I do think like, I do think that plays a role. However, I just, it, the defense simply is not that good. Um, they are not making enough negative plays. Like I know they have somehow sacked opposing teams, uh, more often than they have last year. I don't, a lot. I don't, I don't get it. I don't get how, I don't know where they're coming from, especially here lately. Like in the middle of the year, it felt like they were getting a lot home with blitzes a lot. Now it doesn't even seem like the blitz has been that effective the past couple <laughs> weeks. I don't know where these sacks are, you know, stacking up from. I really don't get it. Like I am boggled every time my mind is boggled every time I hear that, but there just, there doesn't seem to be enough negative plays that are putting opposing offenses behind the sticks or maybe, and this is going to be a gut feel. Maybe when it is happening, that's when they're forcing the punts. It's the drives where they get zero negative plays. They just can't do anything. Maybe that's the bigger issue. Maybe they just can't get stops without negative plays. And every time they're not getting them, they're giving up longer drives. I, I don't have a solution right now. I will say this. I can't can chime in with whatever he wants, but like afterwards, what hope, what hope do we have for this defense to really turn it around significantly going into the playoffs? Like offensively, they've been playing well, but we all kind of have some hope and we're looking for ways to poke holes in it. Do the reverse for de the defensive side. What hope do you have that they get better going forward? I'm, I think we kind of talked a little bit, little bit about this in the post game too. It's just like, I, I think you just got to, I don't know. You might have to trust your. You just might have to trust your young corners. You just might have to show more trust in your young corners. You know, if you're going to try to, if you're going to try to, you know, be a little bit more aggressive to try to generate more pressure. You talk about the blitz is not working. Like Steve Spagnuolo's got plenty in his bag to to throw it different. You know, throw it offenses. But if you're going to do it, you have to you have to put some trust in that young secondary. So like the hope is this young secondary continues to grow, develop, get better. And that length, that athleticism, that physicality outside to challenge um, some potential, you know, fade routes because they're trying to beat blitz, because they're trying to beat pressure. Like maybe that's a little bit of the answer. I don't know outside of that because, like we talked about, there's not a lot of playmakers on this defense. Um, if you can shut Chris John, Chris Jones down, you can shut this entire defense down, and it's a lot easier to shut down an interior rusher than it is an edge rusher. So 
I just, I don't know if there's a ton of answers outside of you just might have to sink or swim with your young secondaries with your young corners and see what happens. I will say this, um, the silver lining, and this has been probably the last three or four weeks. It hasn't turned into the turnovers that it needs to, but we're seeing defensive backs getting their hands on the ball a lot more. And not just from the perspective of like swatting down a slant or something like that. It's we saw Jalen Watson undercut one, drop a pick. We saw last week Legarius Sneed undercut one, drop a pick. Those ended up as scores for the opposition there. And that's what Steve Spagnolo has done at his best is putting guys into positions to come up with those sorts of plays. And they haven't been there this year. They just have not turned the ball over at the rate that they need to to keep up with some of their other deficiencies. In previous years, when we have seen defensive turnarounds by this team, you have seen him adjust the personnel a little bit more, put guys into different scenarios where they can try and make plays on the ball a little bit better in the secondary, and it's worked. We, I think everybody remembers like Tyron Matthew coming out of nowhere on some of the ends of the season where all of a sudden it's like, oh, hell, there he is, and now he's got all these interceptions that he's racked up by the end of the year. We are starting to see these guys in better positions to make plays on the ball to try and come up with these big turnovers. Now, it's not happening. There's lots of lots of stone hands right now that are happening in the secondary, but that is may, way different than what we saw maybe earlier in the season where you didn't even see guys in like the realm of, of a pass when it would come in with a receiver or you would see them trying to defend kind of through the hands rather than trying to high point the ball and come up with a pass. So from a silver lining standpoint, we talk about how on offense you got to play perfect because of two turnovers. You create a turnover or two on the defensive side of the ball that you are not currently. That changes absolutely everything for this team. It changes the game flow. It changes the game plan on offense. And all of a sudden, we're not sitting here complaining about the fact that the Chiefs have allowed four straight drives that were long drives and they couldn't get off the field. They're getting off the field a couple more times. That's all it takes with Mahomes on the other side of the field. Yeah, and I guess like that's you know that is what you're 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 holding on to is that some guys are going to start making a few more plays. So they, you said they're trending that direction with getting their hands on footballs a little bit more. You can't ever rely on forcing fumbles, but it does seem like there is a little bit of an emphasis to try to punch it out or pull out a football at times. Like they are trying to make plays. I guess like when I watch the the defense, they just seem so much like they're trying to play some kind of shell, keep everything in front of it, and just force teams to. Take a short amount of take a short chunk of yards and then collapse on it and stop them. And I think that's maybe where the disconnect is coming from what they're going for is when they're not forcing a negative play, they are not, they're not executing at a high enough level on basics. They're not communicating good enough. They're not quick enough to react to just keep everything in front of them and eventually force a team to punt by stopping them from picking up 10 yards. A team, if they want to check it down over the middle of the field or to the flat three straight times, they're going to get 10 yards against this team. And like they're just going to because the team is not consistent at rallying to the football, having somebody react quick enough. So I know it seems like a very odd bend, don't break strategy from Steve Spagnolo. It seems like the blitz has been slowing down a little bit, the effectiveness and the rate of it. I could be completely off base here. It just it seems like they kept trying to blitz Joe Burrow and it wasn't working. And it seemed like they kind of backed off of it kind of in the middle of the year here. Maybe it's saving it for the playoffs. Maybe it's Steve Spagnuolo not trying to put a bunch of stuff out there going up against the 
Broncos, Texans, Seahawks, Broncos, Raiders. I don't know. It's just situationally the defense seems significantly worse, and I think that's where I'm going to hang my hat. Playoff start, you were going to get Steve Spagnuolo back to being a good situational defensive coordinator. They, he's been one of the best game plan specific defensive coordinators in the NFL over the past two decades. People are going to get mad about saying stuff like that, but mm-hmm. if you want to ask the defensive coordinator to come up with a game plan to stop a single offense in a single game, I will point you to multiple different Super Bowls, multiple different playoff games of Steve Spagnuolo's defense dating back two decades right now where he has been absolutely elite. He is the guy that can do that. That's what he does. Regular season, maybe it doesn't matter if you get to the playoffs and he starts cooking with gas. So I don't know. Maybe that's what I'm waiting for. Maybe that's what I'm hoping for is we get the return to that game plan specific situational defensive coordinator calls. And right now they're trying to let guys sink or swim. I think this Chiefs team is banking on their defense to make some improvements in the postseason. It's time for stickers, slaps, and spirits. And a game ball. You can give one out. The comment section, leave uh, who you want uh, to get a game ball for for this uh, for this week. My sticker goes out to the entire Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, they locked up the division against the that's, that's, all, that's a lot of stickers, Kent. Uh, it's a lot of stickers. I don't think we have the budget for that. I don't know if we do. <laughs> well, you guys, you don't even know, guys. Um, I I want to credit who I did see uh, <laughs> make that comment earlier today because I thought that was absolutely brilliant. I'll try to find that name later. But uh, yeah, the entire, uh, I think it was uh, R Smith 84 uh, locking up the division. Who's next? I don't know you. who's next. You you Me? always butt slapping a good job. Always. Butt slapping a good job. Butt slapping a good job to Travis Kelsey for once again breaking a record. I don't know which record it is this week. Um, there's gonna be a new one next week and then a week <laughs> after that. Well, he passed Shannon Sharp for the all-time receiving yardage. Uh, was it like fourth or something like that? I honestly don't know the record. I just know like every week he's breaking another record. So um butt slapping a good job to Kelsey for uh for breaking records that I don't even know exist. Man, I see here. I was I was gonna go with Jarek McKinnon for averaging over a hundred yards a game over the past three and basically leading the team in touchdowns. But I can't with that because neither one of you took him. Patrick Levon Mahomes gets about <laughs> six whole ass bottles of vodka. No, you know what? Twenty whole ass bottles of vodka. That's right, Sheesh. Matt Kentner. Twenty. Whole ass bottles of vodka. He might need it right now with the new baby at home. Doesn't look like it's affecting him at all. What a great performance for him. That's what this Chiefs team needs. You know, we do all this fretting and all this worrying about, hey, how is this going to happen? What are they going to do in the playoffs? Lots of conversation in the comments and sections and stuff like that about how they're going to be one and done. They're not going back to the AFC Championship game or the Super Bowl. When you got that guy playing that well, like it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Houston Texans gave them their best shot, and Patrick Mahomes just basically made it not matter despite all of the mistakes. So whole ass bottle of vodka, 20 of them to Patrick LeVon Mahomes. The chat has spoken, and the chat gives a game ball to Jarek McKinnon. You said three straight games over 100 yards. Shout out, Craig. You were you were right on the money, and I think – uh, I think the comment section agrees. That is it for this episode of the Casey Laboratory. Thank you all so much for listening. We appreciate you. And we'll catch you later. 
Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN. Covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current. Plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou. By searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.